Guys, I'm bringing the party to you. Samsonite. I was way off. Hold on to your butts. I'm not even mad. That's amazing. Great to have you on the Stephen Corson Show, where we like to talk about money, life, and everything else. This show is all about revamping how you think about money and how to use it to live the life that you want. I'm excited you made this show part of your financial journey. So let's get to it. So recently, there was an article that came out about how one third of people who make over $250,000 a year are basically living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, We unpacked that a little bit here on the podcast, but I didn't want to talk so much about that article as I did want to talk about the demographic of people um, that that is really impacting who would qualify as somebody who makes 250k but lives paycheck to paycheck. And it's this acronym called Henry, uh, uh, H-E-N-R-Y, and it stands for High Earners Not Rich Yet. And we talked a little bit about it in that podcast, but I wanted to go a little bit more in depth because, you know, I fall very much into this demographic and it's interesting to me in the circles that I run in, the people that I know, um, you know, that are mid thirties, early forties, some of them maybe late twenties. Um, they're all really facing the same issue, just at a little, they're in a little bit of an awkward uh, position because if they weren't making as much money and, and they were, let's say, in that seventy, eighty thousand dollar range, the lifestyle that would be available to them uh, wouldn't necessarily be causing a lot of the issues they uh, that there would be. the The ceiling would be there; would be much more recognizable. And I think, in what I see, is for the households that are making that, you know, maybe sixty to one hundred thousand dollars a year. It, it things are a little bit more fixed for them. They don't have as many options. So therefore, I'm not saying things are easier, but things are a lot more simpler uh, is I guess what I'm trying to do. But once you start going over that 150 to 100 mark, you start to get a lot more options. There's a lot more options for leisure. There's a lot more options of, oh, do I send my kids to private school now? Um, you know, if I don't live in a good school area, do I... Uh, you know, start taking more lavish family vacations, different things like that all of a sudden start to come about. And I think that's where a lot of Henry's are getting trapped. And like I said, you know, we talk about this a lot, but options are one of the biggest enemies to literally everyone in modern day society right now. There, the there's this uh, strange <laughs> double-edged sword when we think of oh, when you have more options, you have more freedom. That's not entirely true. It is important to have options and hopefully more than just an option uh, when it comes to your future. But having too many of them is actually very problematic. Uh, never in the history of mankind, just speaking from an investment perspective, never in the history of mankind, uh, other than the past you know, 50, 60 years, have we had so many options in order to invest. And even then, that's not true. Uh, let, me, let, let me rephrase that. You, it took professionals 50 years ago, if you wanted to invest in China, you know, Chinese bonds or uh, you know oil in Russia or something like that. You were checking newspapers. Really, it's been in the past 15 to 20 years. It's the democratization of finance, the ability to log on to your computer or your phone 
and invest in something clear across on the other side of the planet. That That's incredibly new. And even for someone 50 years ago who was in that profession, for them to be able to do it, number one, even if there was a vehicle, um, they had to have some major connections in order to pull that. And now you need an E-Trade account. So like I said, there's, a, there's just so many options out there and people are overwhelmed. It's like the financial version of just Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, Paramount, all of it. You log on. You spend 20, 30 minutes just looking at all the damn options. And then you just become so overwhelmed that you end up picking a show that you've already done and watched a few times, but it's comfortable and you know what it is, right? That's kind of what investing uh, for Henry's nowadays has become. You know, now they can afford more than just the Netflix. Now they can get all of the streaming services. And guess what? They get on there and having more options hasn't necessarily made things better. I mean, sure. Yeah. What was it? Amazon Prime getting uh, all the, the James Bonds. I mean, that was just thrilling. Uh, I love the James Bond series. Have I had time to watch them? Yes. Have I watched them? No. Have I watched TV since then? Yes. Well, what did I end up watching? Uh, shows that I've already watched. Why? I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's too many options. It's commitment. Even though I've seen some of these movies, it just, I don't know. It's a thing. So like I said, too many, there, there, is, there is freedom in limitations, in, in self-prescribed limitations. There's freedom in coming in and setting boundaries for yourself. And that's something that I think Henry's need to do. Now, before we, we get too much into the boundaries, there's some basic things that uh, apply to everyone, to be completely honest with you. But for Henry's especially, if you're falling into this category, uh, or if you want to fall into this category sometimes, uh, uh, at some point in the future, this is uh, a list of a couple things that you can do right off the bat to start improving your future. And the first one, and like I said, this isn't exclusive to Henry's. This is for anyone. But the first one is that you need to make a comprehensive financial list. So I, I call this in my program, uh, the Lifestyle Strategy Playbook, I call this the list, capital V, okay? Because in my opinion, this is one of the most important lists you will ever make. And in the list, you list every single source of income you have, whether it's a $5 dividend, you get a quarter from holding some random stock or, uh, you know, your side hustle. And then you do the same thing on your monthly expenses um, and annual expenses. Uh, a lot of people forget the annual expenses. You have things like your Amazon Prime, for instance, your car insurance tags. There's actually a lot of annual expenses that can be budget busters and can really add up if you don't think about it. I have a $2,000 um, it's essentially an HOA for the neighborhood I live in, but it's done differently. So it's called a CDD. And instead of coming out monthly or quarterly, it comes out every year um, uh, at tax time. So that's something that, hey, I didn't just have $2,000 pop up out of nowhere. So that's something I have to be aware of. So like I said, you go and you make this comprehensive list, start looking at it, and then start setting some goals. So that is one of the very first things that anyone should be doing. It's as simple as that. So the next one is that you need to review any serious liabilities that you have and pay off debt. So we go through this all the time. You know, what does that look like? I'm a fan of the avalanche method over the snowball. That's where you start with the highest interest rate instead of the highest amount and then work your way down from there. So that's just another one. 
Third thing you can do, review and increase your assets. This is something that's really important, okay? When when we're looking, a lot of people, they're like, well, Stephen, I've got the 401k, I've got the Roth IRA, you know, maybe I've got a little bit of my checking savings account, a little bit of an emergency, you know, savings. That's great. Build them, grow them, and do, do more, diversify. Whatever that needs to end up looking like, uh, do it. And you know what? It's interesting nowadays, people are looking at I don't know if this is exactly an industry term, but I'm just going to call it non-traditional assets. And when you think of traditional assets, you're probably thinking of things like real estate, stocks, you know, et cetera. I'm with non-traditional assets. You're seeing this, especially with Gen Z. Gen Z is really interested in finance and investing, but they're not necessarily always looking at stocks. Sometimes they are looking at stocks. Sometimes they're looking at sneakers, and they're going, oh man, this new sneaker release that just dropped, these new Jordans that came out, they only put out 5,000 of them. Well, due to the, the, the uh, digital economy and the fact that anybody all over the world can want something, that's a lot of sneakerheads. Well, if they're only putting out 5,000 on this release, if I can get one of these sneakers, even if they cost $300, they're probably going to 3x in value overnight. So you will see Gen Z building up a sneaker collection. And it's not like my cousin back in the day who when I walked in and saw that her closet was literally filled up to the brim with shoes like it was shocking. I'd never as a teenager seen anything like it in my life before. Um, You know, she just did that because she liked wearing shoes and high heels and all this other stuff. Love you, Skeeter. Um, But at the end of the day, what they're doing nowadays is they're using websites like StockX and eBay, and they will buy these shoes if they happen to be one of the ones that can get uh, one of these original sneakers. Then they'll maybe hold them for a while. Maybe they don't hold them at all, and they flip it while the hype is big. And then all of a sudden, they turn $300 for these sneakers into $900 or $1,000. That's investing. In fact, that's an incredible way to invest. I mean, they just made, you know, 2x to 3x on their money in a matter of days or minutes. So, I mean, sure, that might seem small scale, but the reality is this kind of stuff is starting to happen a lot. Um, You know, uh, digital collectibles like NFTs, uh, you know, uh, sports cards, Pokemon cards, like all these things, non-traditional, honestly, just art, like lots of different types of actual art. People are finding that the internet is the great equalizer. And yes, while the internet has brought together a lot of weirdos, <laughs> you know, they, they say that, you know, there's always a couple weird people in your town and it was fine because we could just make fun of them and then the weirdness want to get out of hand. Well, now all the weird people have found each other. Um, you know, so all of a sudden you have things like, you know, everybody's like, oh, birds aren't real. And oh, the earth is definitely flat. You know, people all around the world believe that the earth is flat. Yes, re-listen to that again for the pun. I said what I said. Anyway, so the point is, uh, the village idiots all found each other. Well, guess what? So did all the sneaker heads. So did all the baseball card collectors. So did the people who love their classic, you know, Russian, uh, what are the little Russian egg dolls, like, you know, things like that. So were the people who, just like this one random artist, you know, in New York who puts like paint in a can and puts holes in it on a string and then swings it around and comes up with these cool, you know, colored curves and all that. Like like they have communities now online that are bigger than anything that you could ever build. Even if you were in like a major city, like a Tokyo or an LA or a New York, like 
You can build a digital community around this stuff now. And guess what? The law of supply and demand will always remain the same. So if all of a sudden you have the ability to buy things online, but then you have the in, in the increase or the that uh, the same amount of supply, but the increase of demand, you're going to find ways to flip it. So like I said, review and increasing your assets, it doesn't always mean that you have to do it in a traditional way. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Okay, let's get to the next one. This is huge. I This word people don't like. This is the most underrated word in society right now. It's going to put a bad taste in your mouth the second that I say it, but it is without a doubt in my mind one of the most important concepts that anyone in a developed nation needs to take into their daily mindset and philosophy. And that word is elimination. We think too much in terms of and and not enough in terms of or. And what I mean by that is that nowadays it's always, well, okay, I'm making more money and I want to get this and I want the new car and I want the new shoes and I want the new house and I want my kids in a nicer school and I want the new vacation and, 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 and. It's always and. We are constantly adding to our lives. And what has that done that has stressed us out? It has caused financial pressure. It has caused time constraints. It has caused a myriad of other issues. And yet we have more than anything we could ever want. We don't know what the concept of enough is anymore. What is enough? If you stop and have you ever stopped in, in the past few years and just said, do I have enough? Is my life right now enough? What is enough if, if not what I already have? You know, so regardless of whether or not you think you have enough or not, and listen, I'll be the first one to admit it, I don't have enough. And I have thought about this. And I do have mapped out what enough is, okay? My definition of enough very briefly in the way that I'm in part of the way I'm going to get there is through elimination. And I'll explain that in a second. But my definition of enough is that I um, want to be able to know that I can live in the house that I have right now. I have a beautiful, amazing house. My wife will only have to work three to four days a week because that's ultimately what she wants to do. And me and my family will be able to take, you know, vacations casually once every couple months if we really want to. And they don't have to be extravagant or crazy, but we won't need money. And that uh, I have enough money in my investment accounts that they will continue to grow over time because I won't need to dip into them. Uh, and then ultimately for me personally, I, I just want to work at whatever I want to do for the rest of my life. That's what enough is. I'm really close, but I'm not there yet. So that's what my enough is. And once I'm there, it, you know, it enables you to be so generous, um, content with the life that you have and hopefully to be in a position to serve others or serve causes that you you really care about. But I have no desire to be a billionaire. I'll never be a billionaire. Even if I want a billion dollars tomorrow, the first thing I do is give 90% of it away. Why? Because I don't need it. So it's as simple as that. Elimination is the way that you figure out what enough is and how you get to enough. So first off, you have to look at everything that you already have and go, what doesn't really bring me joy? 
uh, what is it that's something that I thought was going to, you know, make me happy? And maybe it did make me happy, but now it's just there. Now it's just part of it. I, I built this beautiful house uh, that I never intended to do. It was literally just uh, such a great opportunity that we had to. I built this house. I've lived here for seven months. The shine has already worn off. I'm just being completely honest. The shine of this house, I still love it. I'm still grateful for it, but I have to work at being grateful for it. I have to take time out of my day to consciously be like, man, what an amazing house I have. When I lived here for the first month, every day was just walking around being like, oh my gosh, this house is so freaking sweet. I love this house. No, I have to actually work at it. And guess what? In a year from now, it's going to be even worse. A year from now, I'm probably going to be picking this place apart going, ah, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have had that. Let's start thinking about the next house. And I'm going to have to fight my urges for and. Okay. So we have to eliminate things that don't really matter. Go through your budget lines. We talked about that list. Go through your list and eliminate things. When you do that, start adding it up. Do this on a piece of paper, Excel spreadsheet, whatever you need to do. Fit, put a monthly cost to it right next to it. What is it costing you monthly? And as you eliminate things, add up all of those things that you are eliminating. When you do that, all of a sudden you're going to realize, huh, by reducing my day-to-day expenses, by eliminating things, that is going to allow me the things that I didn't eliminate that I consider necessity, that I consider important to me, that's going to allow me to do more of those things. You'll be surprised at the freedom that you can that, uh, that will come with that. So I won't get into that too much more, but I, I, I challenge you to think about elimination. What is it from your life that you can eliminate? And guess what? I hate to say this. Sometimes it's not just things. Sometimes it's people. Sometimes it's people that you need to eliminate in your life. And, and you know, I'll, I'll use in sometimes it's eliminate. Sometimes it's just straight up reduce. Um, you know, you need to reduce interactions with them. Some people just aren't helping you get where you need to go. They're holding you back in some type of capacity. They are, they are causing you to engage in bad behaviors that don't align to the things that are important for you. And you need to reduce or straight up eliminate that entire relationship. Just something to think about. Number five, uh, the last uh, two that I just want to talk about, avoid buying an expensive car. This one happens all the time. We are seeing it over and over and over again. Car payments have never been higher than they ever have, than they are right now in the middle of a recession. Uh, It's it's just, it's shocking to me. And Henry's fall into this all the time. Like I said, they have more options. All of a sudden, a new level of luxury car is now available to them. Somebody earning 60 to 100K a year And they're not going to think about that upgraded Lexus. They're not going to think about that Tesla. They're not going to think about going with the souped up BMW. But guess what? Now that they're making 125, 150, all that starts looking pretty good. It's not just the sticker shock or the sticker price of the car. That's going to be the problem. It's going to be the maintenance. That's a new level of cost that you haven't dealt with before. Just keep driving. You can get a new car. You need a new car. That's fine. Go, go get a car at the same level of what you're buying right now, unless it was already a Tesla or BMW. Okay, the last one uh, that I'm going to bring up, and like I said, this is not an exhaustive list by any means of the imagination. This is not exclusive to Henry's. Anybody uh, can do this, but I have to say this one, okay? You need to save for emergencies. A lot of Henry's are living paycheck to paycheck, or they have some savings, but not enough to deal with a major disaster, like a a medical injury or emergency, or a job loss for a couple months. I mean, we're seeing this left and right. I have multiple friends who are Henry's who left their jobs, accepted a position at another company, and then got dropped 
either before they could start or within the first 90 days because the recession hit and they had to let people go. So now they're stuck in limbo. And sure, they may only be out of work for three months, but they only had like maybe one or two months of savings. And now all of a sudden, when they've got ten dollars to $12,000 of monthly expenses, when all that money is gone in that third month, they just went dollars to $15,000 in debt right off the bat. So not having a sufficient amount saved up for emergencies, and I define that as a minimum of six months, a maximum of 12 months uh, of monthly expenses. If you don't have at least that much saved up, you are only building a house on sand. It's as simple as that. You are, you are building a great big house, bigger and bigger and bigger with a foundation that is not properly set. And guess what? The second that foundation crumbles beneath you, everything else is going to start messing up too. So those are some of the big tips that I have for Henry's. Again, this is applicable to anyone. Uh, there's This is not an exhaustive list. I could have kept going on with another 10 things, but these are the things that I see most commonly when I am working with people in this position uh, and whenever we're having conversations that are really getting that are that are really messing them up. These are just like if I had to say the top five most common, uh, these these are the ones. So hopefully this is a good um, word of warning, word of preparation. Uh, if you're close to becoming a Henry, you're getting there. Congrats. Keep going. Uh, but listen, one of the best things you can do is maintain your lifestyle. It's as simple as that. So hopefully this has been helpful. And until our paths cross again.